This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Needless to say, these rail blockades are uh, dominating the news cycle to a large extent. And a just released Ipsos poll shows that uh, 60% of Canadians oppose the Wet'suwet'en solidarity protests and are becoming more supportive of police intervention to end the blockades. That's an 11-point jump since last week. Also found that 63% of the respondents supported the idea of police intervention, that a 10% increase over numbers released last week. Perhaps a muted response. Are they uh, calculated in terms of uh, when you go in and uh, to what extent? All of these questions arise, and so I defer to Global News Radio's crime expert and the CEO of Investigative Solutions Network, Inc., David Perry, who's joined us on the line here on the Oka Show. David, good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. All right, on this matter, first and foremost, closest to home, uh, it has to do with the the Hamilton area and the goal line there being disrupted by protesters yesterday afternoon. Uh, What about the Hamilton police deciding to stand down, at least initially? Is that appropriate? Oh, I think it's appropriate. They're in, like every police service across the country, they're in a no-win position where they've been thrust into the middle of a, a very hot political issue that uh, no matter what they do, they're going to be highly criticized. So, you know, the way we approach these things is we make sure that we're resourced up and are capable and ready to do whatever we need to do to resolve it. You know, you you assign a, a very qualified incident commander to take care of each and every site across the country. And, you know, the approach is dialogue and, you know, hopefully a quick resolution through dialogue with people that hopefully local police services have had, you know, good ongoing relationships with, with over a period of time. What do you make, though, of the notion the rule of law must be upheld if there are injunctions that have been granted? Uh, isn't it the enforcement arm uh, of the government, i.e. the police, whichever service we're talking about, to enforce those laws? It is, John, and I can tell you that the police are not an enforcement arm of the government. They're completely separate. But I do get that the political connection and the action of the police is intricately tied to that relationship. But uh, the police, no matter what happens, whether it's, you know, the prime minister who's demanding that these be taken down or it's a judge who's issued an injunction to take them down, the police have to act appropriately. And one of the things they have to do in acting appropriately is to be respectful of people's rights to demonstrate. Uh, We all know that this is frustrating many Canadians. It's frustrating a lot of commuters uh, today, again, trying to get home in the Hamilton area. But the, uh, the end result is that the police have to take the time for dialogue and at, at an appropriate time, as we've seen uh, out west, when it is truly time for them to go in and dialogue is, is a, non, a non-event any longer, that it's just not working, then they will go in and they will do what they have to do uh, to remove protesters. All right, and so you're suggesting that dialogue uh, is the initial response, and if it's seen to not work, uh, then you go, I mean, who makes that call? It's strictly a subjective judgment call, isn't it? It is, and it's on a case-by-case basis. There's incidents unfolding uh, across the country, as you know. We see what's happening out uh, west of Toronto. There are things going on in Sault Ste. Marie, and I've got uh, Joe Tom Sayers on the call with me. He's our Indigenous coordinator here at ISN. And uh, maybe this would be a time, John, for Joe Tom to comment uh, from his perspective on what's happening. Again, uh, and I appreciate Joe Tom joining us. Joe Tom Sayers, I'm told, is the Indigenous Engagement Coordinator at Investigative Solutions Network. Uh, that is Dave Perry's outfit, who is also with us on the line. Joe Tom, good to have you joining the Oakley Show. I'm kind of curious because, as I understand, you're the traditional keeper of Anishinaabe laws and governance systems. 
Yes, yes, I was uh, uh, born and raised here in Sault Ste. Marie on the Batchewana First Nation territory. So what is your take on these solidarity protests that are disrupting rail traffic and uh, goods getting to market, impacting a lot of businesses? Uh, is there merit to these? Very much so. Uh, the uh, the solidarity action is uh, is in support of the Wet'suwet'en situation uh, and its territory that's been reported as being unfeed, which is not surrendered to the Crown. Uh, and their land rights have been upheld in the 1997 Supreme Court of Canada decision. <clears throat> so the uh, the action that happened there has prompted uh, Indigenous people across the country to uh, take to the streets, uh, slow down traffic, uh, camp beside rail sides here. In uh, Sault Ste. Marie, we have the International Bridge locked for about 12 hours. Traffic's moving through right now. So it is, it is called for uh, Indigenous Canadians have been uh, shut out of uh, Canada's economy for decades, if not hundreds of years, through the imposition of the Indian Act. Uh, their travel had been restricted historically, uh, so they couldn't leave the reserves without permission from the Indian agent. So, um, so this, we're kind of late coming to uh, the, the uh, I guess, the reality that other Canadians enjoy in terms of economic participating in, in the economy. Uh, so the disruption, uh, I think, from the eyes of the protesters uh, to them, uh, I think, is reasonable uh, for the time that they're there. Uh, I think they understand the, the nature of uh, their rights when there are protesting that other Canadians enjoy as well. And, of course, that we've seen some of the blockades being taken down. I was just talking to Dave earlier today and, and noted that uh, the way the, the, the police had handled themselves as well as the protesters uh, were very admirable. Uh, there wasn't any violent outbursts. Uh, nobody got really hurt on either side, and and I think that's uh, that says a lot for uh, for Canada and, and Canadians and Indigenous people as well. Well, when you're talking about upholding rights, what about denying rights to Indigenous nations to uh, prosper from some resource development? For example, that uh, coastal link pipeline that uh, 20 communities where their band councils had uh, voted in favor of, and these were elected members. I mean. Isn't this depriving them of a livelihood as well? Well, that's something that has to be addressed internal to the Wet'suwet'en Nation, the traditional uh, governance and the Indian Act imposed governments of band councils. are going to have to sort that out uh, between themselves. It's not really my business or your business or even the Prime Minister's business, how they, how they uh, address that. The um, <clears throat> the band councils, uh, I believe, that registered or you know, got involved with uh, the Coastlink project, uh, within their own mandate uh, under the Indian Act uh, can speak to reserve land specifically. Uh, but when it comes to traditional territories, uh, Indian Act does not apply to that. Uh, and that's the realm of the, the hereditary system out on the West Coast. So uh, I think that's something they have to work out. I believe they also uh, had approved a, an alternate route for the project to go through, which was rejected by the company. So that's really something that's specific to that particular site. And uh, I think uh, there has to be some leadership nationally now because obviously that's impacted everybody across the country in order to give them the space uh, to be able to revisit that, those uh, those agreements and that deal and try to find some common solution. Until then, you're going to see resistance, uh, solidarity resistance across the country in different forms. And I, it's not going to end today. It's not going to end in the near future. It's going to take a number of, I think, different forms uh, that you can expect. But I think with everybody's uh, level-headedness, I think it, uh, if it's peaceful and it's not a major disruption, ultimately, I think, uh, you know, uh, I think those things need to happen in order 
for leadership to step in and, and take control of the situation. Well, that's an ominous note you're striking there, because uh, when you're talking about the rest of Canada facing colossal disruption because of internal politics out in B.C. and the Wet'suwet'en Nation, uh, you're calling it resistance, which is very interesting. Resistance uh, comes in different forms, and there are people seeking to undermine the system uh in perpetuity, if necessary. And look, for example, if I made the analogy that some maybe uh, people of Palestinian descent didn't like Canada's position vis-a-vis Israel and decided that they were going to block the highway uh, just because they're showing resistance, that's not legitimate. Yeah, I mean, they have, uh, they have a, home t- a home territory uh, in, uh, in the Middle East. Here, we have no place else to go. This is our home territory. Well, I'm just saying the resistance can be, uh, you know, it's this uh, link that people are drawing or asserting on their own. And so this resistance that's being shown in other pockets that are disruptive in eastern Canada because of internal politics out in uh, B.C.? Does that make sense to you? Oh, very much so, because I think the rights of the Wet'suwet'en people is grounded in uh, Canadian law, believe it or not, in uh, Supreme Court of Canada decisions. Those are the rights that that we share in, in, in the eastern half of the country as well. So collectively, we have an interest in the success, not just the Wet'suwet'en or, or the, the Mohawks or the Mi'kmaq or the Anishinaabe people um, to be able to... Uh, well, Joe, let me ask you just very quickly, because you also suggested yeah. this was the Supreme Court rendering. Uh, if you're willing to accept that court decision for being uh, important to, I guess, structural government, then why are other court uh, rulings... Likewise, not adhered to. Oh, could you give me an example? Well, I mean, injunctions, injunctions that have been uh, granted to CN, uh, and and they're uh, they're acting in defiance. These people are putting up blockades here now outside of Hamilton, outside of uh, Belleville, as another one has sprung up on the tracks further down from the one that was dismantled yesterday. It seems like uh, they're disregarding the rule of law. Yeah, I don't think injunctions are issued by the Supreme Court of Canada. Well, they're not, so but I mean, they're, well, that's, it's, that's it's the still the rule of law. Matter, this is the point John. I'm making. This is the, the point I'm making is it's still the rule of law. You subscribe to it in one instant, but not the other. Yeah, well, the rule of law historically hasn't really been uh, thought of in terms of indigenous, accommodating Indigenous rights. I think that the law that we've challenged over the years uh, has been, uh, you know, has been ruled uh, unconstitutional in a number of cases. So the rule of law isn't necessarily only apply one way. Uh, the rule of law for the Wet'suwet'en people, that's the, the argument they're making, is that the rule of law, in their case, uh, supports and recognizes their title to their land. Joe, let uh, me ask you part. again, just because I'm tight on time yeah. here. Uh, sure. Do you believe that all of the protesters, in fact, are uh, of Native heritage or showing solidarity for that cause specifically? Or there may be some other folks, uh, maybe coming in from parts unknown, uh, who just want to be disruptive for its own sake, i.e. anarchists. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with that kind of a movement, but any time anybody kind of puts themselves out there for a particular cause, uh, they're, they're going to be uh, utilized one way or another, I think. It doesn't matter if it's somebody supporting their ends or if they have their own agenda or if it's another. Uh, all I can say is I know some of the people that are out there on the front lines and uh, their heart is in the right place as far as what, how they feel uh, the wet sweat and people are being treated. And I think that's the important message that has to, they have to kind of get out there and we have to hear. All right, David, let me ask you finally here, because I'm out of time, but uh, if this becomes a case of, as uh, 
Joe Tom was suggesting, the resistance uh, could go on in different permutations over time. Uh, there's no end to this. It's like playing whack-a-mole. Is, is that the country that we're going to see going forward? Is that the new normal? Um, on this particular issue, it all depends on both the government and the police response. There are leaders in policing across this country who are having sleepless nights because they're caught in the middle. And, you know, they're, they're caught in the middle for doing all the things that you talked about, enforcing the rule of law. And while doing that, respecting Indigenous rights and not trying to undermine or destroy the relationships that they've been working so hard to build over the years. So it's a real catch-22, but, you know, let's have a quick look what happened, John. They moved, moved in in B.C. and removed the first blockade, and we saw additional blockades going up across the country. And we can expect, just based on this behavior, that we're going to see uh, an escalation in this activity unless and until the dialogue uh, gets to a point where both sides feel like they, they have a win-win and they can walk away peacefully and these blockades will come down. What do you make of Jason Kenney's proposal for a Bill 1 in Alberta? There's going to be more stringent uh, rules applied uh, when it comes to disrupting rail traffic and the like in resource development. Uh, do you think that has any merit? It might if it passes, but uh, certainly, and and, you know, this is not just unique to the Indigenous communities. Uh, You know, I've been involved in protests uh, of every kind you can imagine, you know, even strikes where people have gone in and taken over an entire company. It took us weeks to get them out, even though we had court injunctions, because it's the same process. We try and do it through dialogue and, and a peaceful resolution. And it's more complicated and certainly far more sensitive when it involves Indigenous communities. So it's a very, very fine line for everybody to be walking. But I can tell you, it's no more fine a line than for anybody than the police officers who are tasked to maintain the rule of law and are handed a court injunction and are asked to execute on the court that court injunction. And they have to do it in a way that is peaceful, that doesn't result in escalation of violence and the escalation of these blockades. So we're all going to have to stay tuned here, John. I I really don't know what's going to happen next, but uh, I would expect if the police get too aggressive, and even though they're following the rule of law and are well within the rule of law, uh, we're going to see an escalation in these blockades. All right. Uh, As I said, an ominous note, Dave Perry, uh, I appreciate you joining us along with Joe Tom this afternoon. Our pleasure. All right. Thanks, John. You got it. Global News Radio crime expert and uh, his Indigenous liaison as well. Uh, This is not a good development if this is going to go on interminably. I think uh, those folks who are inclined to disrupt whatever their belief system may be, their ideology or what they're protecting by way of rights, uh, they sense the soft underbelly of uh, the Canadian body politic. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.